Hey, welcome to Inside with this Monday edition of Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrick. Now, first of all, before we get to my guest today, I want to just say you're big in Northwell Health and the Rangers, the Rangers Town 5K, and my dad took a picture of me running with the Queen's Unisphere behind it, uh, behind me in Flushing Meadows. It was a perfect picture. Cold, but a per- picture-perfect day nonetheless. And, well, the Rangers have been struggling a little bit, but uh, it was just a great day. I got to see Rod Gobert. I've known him for 25 years. Duke Coughlin, you know, I, I have this Ranger connection. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Now, Duke, he also has a podcast. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I met you through the, uh, the, the, the tribe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the tribe uh, over on the uh, Mighty Network, I believe it's called. And uh, you reached out, and I said, yeah, let's let's kick it around a bit. So, uh, first of all, what are your – you're a hockey guy. I know you cover a lot of sports. Rangers are having a tough year, but the Islanders here in New York are just on fire. And it, it's been an odd hockey year in that they're really good, and, and the Rangers are just not as good with their second pick in Kako. It's, it's been a strange year with that. Yeah, I mean, and it uh, it feels like the Islanders are kind of just trying to pick up a little bit of where they were last year. You know, they kind of rode the coattails of uh, Robin Lanier, who I've I've personally gotten to see now that he's uh, playing out there in Chicago and having quite the season as well. Um, you know, the th- crazy thing about hockey is momentum's a real thing, and if you can carry it over from uh, kind of a surprising season the Island Islanders had last season, then you know the sky's the limit. And it seems like uh, that entire locker room kind of has an idea of, you know, what their expectations are of each other. And they go out there and they play some damn good or some darn good hockey. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it's to all, no, it's all good. Uh, so you, you do a podcast for what we won this week. And I've got to ask you, um, do you think Kaepernick won the weekend or was he an outright flop? And was it just a media show? See, the thing that kind of gets me about Kaepernick is um, – you know, the, the talent's always been there with the guy. It's It, it hasn't been that, uh, you know, raw talent has isn't there. The guy has an arm. You know, it's just I think the question for the last few years is, does this guy really want to play football? And I think when you have the NFL essentially giving you an open workout with 25 NFL teams essentially on an open platter in an, in an NFL facility, you know, ready to go, and you decide at the last minute that you want to – move to a high school stadium because you want cameras there. And then you only get up, get about eight NFL scouts end up showing up because it's an hour away from the original, original workout. It makes you really question if the guy really wants to play. I mean, sure. He looked good throwing downfield 40 yards with no pressure in his face and, you know, throwing to, you know, wide receivers off the street. But you know, what, what college quarterback, what high school quarterback can't do that? You know, I, I just, right. I, I wonder what he's trying to get at at this point. Is he trying to be on an NFL roster or is he just trying to continue making noise in the media? Well, he still has the grief. In fact, he said, you know, I've been denied three years now and I'm just like, no one cares about that anymore. Just, and then he blames the NFL, but as you say, he moved it an hour away. So maybe it's not the NFL's fault this time. Yeah, and the NFL gave him a golden opportunity to, you know, showcase his skills. And, you know, getting your name out there, obviously his name is out there, but getting your film out there to 25 NFL scouts that are actually going to watch you, that's that's a rare commodity that a lot of players, you know, who want a second chance in the league don't have. And well, the fact 
Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say he probably knelt because he figured his his career wasn't going anywhere now. He was actually just not as good with the Niners at that point. I think he just wanted to make noise. That's how I, I view it. You know, and that's I feel like that's the way a lot of people view it. Um, you know, I, I, I know you get into politics a good amount on your show. Um, y- you know, I I have my own opinions on it. I try I try not to go too far to the you know original opinion of why he kneeled and stuff like that because I think an argument could be made of maybe what he did or like the reason he did it you know could have could have been noble but I don't I have always thought from the beginning he was the wrong guy to try to make that noise because you're right at that point in his career he was not nearly as like nearly playing as good as he was he was one in ten his last season as a starter. Um, and the guy was a turnover machine. He'd fumble almost on average, at least once per start. Um, and he got benched by, he got benched by Blaine Gabbert. I, I right. just, I, I, I don't think that Colin Kaepernick isn't in the league because of a protest that a lot of players are continuing to do today that are continuing to play in the league, like say an Eric Reed. Um, I think it's the fact that the guy kind of really fell off a cliff there the last few years he was playing. We're, we're talking with Duke Coughlin. He has this podcast as well called the What We Won This Week. Get into that a little bit because I know you've been working to get that word out there. What What's your podcast about exactly? So I try to really kind of cover, you know, anything that's hot in the, you know, the world of sports like during, during the week. Um, I, I actually de- uh, got the name for my podcast from uh, my buddy's podcast. He started this network that I'm in right now. Um, he does what we learned this week with a couple of his buddies. So we, we all kind of have podcasts that revolve around that one. And, um, you know, it's just a weekly podcast. You know, it obviously the NFL has been red hot for the past, you know, 11 weeks. So that's been a lot of what I've been covering. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to start covering anything from, um, you know, the winter meetings that are going to be coming up with baseball, um, I, I cover hockey, I cover oh, basketball as it starts getting bigger, just across the board, man. I am fanatical about sports. I am always trying to keep my finger on the pulse and, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm trying, what, what's your team market? Um, I'm, I really cover a lot of the, I, I'm a fan of a lot of Chicago sports. Um, I try to not cover them a, a ton because I don't want, you know, I don't want my bias to show all the time. You know, I, I listen I listen to some radio shows where it's guys that are following their favorite teams and you just hear them say a lot of homerish things. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. Well, you know what's interesting? My dad is actually a Bear and Cub fan. So when they won in 16, it was like he finally saw it. He's uh, a little in the older range, but he finally saw it. And it was good. <laughs> I got him a pennant after they won it. And, you know. Joe Madden just lost the clubhouse this year. There's no doubt. He might have even lost it even before this year. This is where it was all leading up to him leaving, wasn't it? Yeah, it, and it kind of felt like that. You know, even going into uh, this season, um, and I, I catch a lot of Brewers games, you know, living up here in Wisconsin. So, I mean, I kind of saw how the whole NL Central, like, unfolded. It, it just, it seems like the team's been in the World Series hangover since they won it. You know, it, it and it's just kind of normal th- for like a Theo Epstein rant, like ran team, you know, I mean, it happened out in Boston 
And uh, the second that all the trades that Theo made ended up turning into, you know, old or bad contracts while you sent most of your farm away to try to win now, that's when Theo usually ended up leaving. So I'm really interested to see how the Cubs do this season. And I could see that being a deciding factor, whether uh, Theo continues to be there or not. Uh, so Girardi doesn't take the Cub job. By the way, one thought on Milwaukee. What people forget is that they went 15-2 and two after the Yelich injury, which I thought was pretty remarkable. I mean, Yelich was a, a beast, but to go 15-2 and two and, you know, while they lost the wild card, to have that run still after Yelich was impressive. Yeah, and I, I mean, they lost that wild card game to a pretty good uh, ball club, if you ask me. Um, yeah, you know, it it is remarkable. And it's one of the great things about sports is how does a team respond when one of the top players, not only on your team, but in all of baseball goes down, you know, especially in that close of a playoff run where up to that point, the Brewers season had been fairly disappointing. Um I think you saw everyone step up. I think you saw, you know, Ryan Braun step up, you know, a guy who has been hot and cold essentially for the past three years. I think you saw a rotation who was beaten and battered most of the season really come into their own. Um, It it was it was impressive to watch, man. And that's that's one of the great things about baseball and really any sport is just, you know, how quickly some of these teams can go on a run and what, you know, something that would end a lot of team seasons can be motivation to keep it going well you know and you say they lost to a great team well they they lost to the world champions which we didn't know was going to happen at the time we just thought oh. this kid Juan Soto was going to be you know the savior for that game but man he and Kendry Morales he they pushed this team to the past the Dodgers then past uh you know into the world series and to win the world series in seven the way they did it with Soto it was just – I felt great for Steven Strasburg because he finally had a rebound year and a championship year. I felt great for Ryan Zimmerman because he's been there since the start. Uh, and, and you got to feel great for Morales as well. You know, he had uh, an injury in 2018 that almost sidelined him for his career, and he recovered from that. So some great stories on that national team. Now it looks like there's going to be a falling apart on that team because you got yeah. Strasburg opting out. You've got Ryan up not being picked up. It's very strange what's going on there now. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the, I think you nailed it on the head. It was just there were so many great stories packed into that Nationals team. Like, and, you know, you're right. When they beat the Brewers in that game, nobody would have thought they would have made it past the Dodgers. Nobody would have thought they would have made it, you know, as far as as far as they did. Nonetheless, beat the Houston Astros in a World Series where only the home teams lost. Like, Oof. it's absolutely wild. And, um, you know, you're right, you know, with Strasburg, you know, opting out, you know, with, you know, Rendon probably not returning, there's a lot of question marks out there. And, and it's crazy because you're right, you know, you don't see that with championship teams very often. And, you know, especially especially in a year after you lose probably one of the biggest players in your franchise's history. Um, it's right, gonna and be- I think that he ended up being, a, I hate to say a cancer, but he ended up being somewhat of a you know he, he was not good for that clubhouse atmosphere and it showed because the next year without hyper how harper they win the world series and you know duke duke kaufman what they kept playing over and over again was the we're gonna win a ring in dc <laughs> oh my by, god by bryce and he was so spot on wasn't he yeah he really was man uh bryce uh bryce gonna look back at 2019 one one year like one year down the line he's gonna just shake his head because everything everything that he said would happen, 
essentially did happen. And uh, yeah, I think one of the biggest moments, honestly, I, you know, it might even be a bigger egg on his face than the fact that he said that he wanted to win a championship for Washington was how he reacted when he first came back to Washington for the first time. And then how his season ended by Washington knocking the Phillies like out of playoff contention, like all around, you know, Bryce Harper got paid. So, I mean, he's not, he can't be that upset about it, but you know, he was punching air watching the world series and even the playoffs this season. And clearly Kepler wasn't the fit over there. And now he's going to manage the giants, which is kind of an interesting uh, choice for San Francisco, considering they have to figure out where they're going to resign Madison Bumgarner. We'll see where that goes as well. Right. So, you know, the Phillies have been an enigma the last few years. They have the talent, but it just seems like they didn't have the managerial uh, skill, if you will. Well, it it feels like with the Phillies, like they like went into the situation like trying to do a full rebuild. And it feels like the second that they uh, had the Jake Arrieta signing, that that was kind of the moment where they decided they were going to just try to start competing like immediately. And honestly, yes, the roster does have talent on it, but I just did not think they were quite yet there to be trying to aggressively like compete like they like they did. And, you know, the Jake Arrieta, Arrieta signing, you know, a big signing like that at the time, that kind of sets you up and gives the expectation that you're trying to win. So when you go out and sign a Bryce Harper – the expectation is, well, it's time to win now. And when Kapler can't, you know, make that happen, it's going to look like, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and defend Kapler whatsoever. I don't think he is. I, I don't know what a lot of teams see in him, you know, for him to keep getting jobs. But that being said, I don't think the Phillies were really there yet for them to start trying to hit this win now button. I still think they're, uh, they could have tried working it out with a little bit uh, more of their farm. They could have tried bringing up, you know, bringing it in a little easier because then they could have competed longer down the road. All right. So you're in the NL central, by the way, because you said you follow Milwaukee, you're up in Milwaukee. Were you surprised that the Cardinals were shut down that way by the nationals? I, you know, I the thing about the Cardinals all season is, you know, yeah, they did look good in the NL Central, you know, and I don't think that's too hard to do with the way the NL Central was this past year. Um, and, and by the way, I just want to clear up real quick. I do follow Milwaukee, but I'm actually a Chicago White Sox fan first. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, to the point with the Cardinals is, um, you know, I, I think anyone in the NL Central it was going to end up being fool's gold in the playoffs. So I, I, I really wasn't that surprised. Um, they did go on a pretty good run. But, you know, they just didn't quite have that magic of some of, the, like, the past World Series teams, you know. There All right, go. so Duke Kaufman of the uh, Who Won the Week podcast, thanks for joining us today. And uh, yeah. you just said that you're a White Sox fan. So Tim Anderson, I'm sure you covered his comments that he thought he was the next Jackie Robinson on your podcast. Did you not? So I, I actually haven't, just, just because of how – popular football season is right now especially up here in wisconsin with how well the packers are playing um and i've been covering a lot of college football as well but to that point um yeah you know i think tim said a lot of interesting stuff this season uh i, I think when you play well the true character of yourself really comes out and um you know i i can get behind you know tim saying some outlandish stuff and crazy stuff because the guy gives gives back a lot to the South Side of Chicago. He is someone who has really embraced the South Side. Um, a guy who, 
you know, loves going to work every day. You know, he talks about how he never watched baseball because it was boring. But with Tim Anderson out there, baseball isn't boring. So, I mean, as long as he continues to produce, the guy could say really whatever he wants, just as long as it's not detrimental to the team. You know what I mean? Another guy on that team, because I follow him when we play them, uh, when the Yankees play the White Sox, is Angle. I mean, the guy kept robbing the Yankees a few times, like three games in a row there at one point. I was very impressed by that uh, center fielder you guys have. Yeah, see, the the thing about Adam Angle is, uh, you know, you know, yeah, you you do see him every once in a while when we when uh, we play you guys. He has to be one of the more frustrating players that I think I've ever seen because he is. He is such a guaranteed glove out there, but the guy is completely lost behind the plate. And I don't know if that's ever going to be something that can be coached up, but you know, it, it's almost a running joke within our fan base. Is uh, you know, like Ad, Adam Angle is our future, and <laughs> Adam Angle is like this great, amazing fielder, but then you watch him bat and it's just, wow. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I think he has time to turn it around though. Um, I, I am a fan of Adam Engel. It's just, you know, the sim, you know, simply put, you know, in baseball these days, especially with all the power numbers going around, you, you gotta be able to hit, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we are, we are in football season, as you say, and because you're around the green Bay area, I, I have to ask you, what's it like? minus McCarthy Aaron Rodgers just seems like a whole different player he's healthy this year as well but I feel like the McCarthy era really did hold him down especially last year um you know the the way I see it and I just want to uh prephrase this by saying that I'm a Bears fan who lives in Packers country so okay but but I've always had the impression that you always you always got to stay uh you got to stay uh, knowledgeable of your opponent. You know, you got to keep your friends close, your enemies closer. But um, the biggest thing I see with the Matt LaFleur run Packers is, um, you know, just scaling it back a little bit. You know, it's not Aaron Rodgers playing, you know, backyard football where he has to carry this football team. They have a legit run game. They have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams who have turned into, honestly, one of the better running back tandems. Um, You have Devontae Adams, who is a great receiver. But honestly, when he was actually out for injury, which I'm not saying, you know, addition by subtraction or anything, but the ball was getting spread around a lot. And the Packers offense, when you spread that ball around to different receivers is dangerous because when you ha- when you have a quarterback who is as talented as Aaron Rodgers who is you know just m- as methodical and just an absolute killer out there um him having different options at receiver and even with how disappointing the Jimmy Graham signings been the fact that he can just spread that ball around and really have a little bit more say so in the offense to where he'll actually listen to some calls that LaFleur has um it's shown and when you have a defense that can hold their own um, I think the the Adrian Amos signing for the Packers was huge. It kind of solidified that secondary a little bit, you know, gave them some stability back there that they haven't had for a long time. And, uh, you know, Zadarius and, you know, uh, Preston Smith, you know, were two huge signings, almost like two mm-hmm. of the best signings from free agency the past year. You know, the Packers overall are built built to win. And trust me, it hurt to say all that as a Bears fan who had to watch my team lose last last well, night. Well, let's but... talk about that because, by the way, Trubisky apparently tweeted before he, years ago he was a big Packer fan, so I don't know how he ended up a Bear. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Trubisky watching him, again, my dad's a Chicago fan, so actually we saw him in Baltimore. We went to watch him play. We saw him last year against the Giants at the Giants Stadium. Oh, I meant Life Stadium, sorry. But we, we – it's frustrating to watch him because I don't know 
where his mind is on the field sometimes. It's just, it's, he's just a flop of a draft pick at the moment. You know, and, I, you know, you obviously, you get drafted number two, um, and you get drafted above, you know, guys that end up being Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, that's that's there. You know, simply put, for Mitch being drafted number two, he uh, he has not at all, you know, lived up to that, you know, proceeding. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've really seen and um, really is the discussion of kind of Bears Twitter right now is because, uh, you know, through the first 10 weeks, it was it was on Mitch. You know, every, everybody that watched the games were like, you know, this guy, he just he just seems to be taking this step back. And uh, right. it, it, it was it was perplexing because Mitch had a pretty good season last, you know, last year. You know, he had 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, completed 67 percent of his passes. And, you know, you come into this season and you just don't know what in the world happened. But I think a big tell last night was, you know, and I, I watched I watched the full game. I was angry at the end, but um, Mitch was really the only offensive player out there that I feel like kind of showed up. You know, the offensive line was getting demolished by the Rams defensive front. I, I counted at least six drops last night. It just and, you know, you watch a performance like that and you see these glimmers of like just brilliance from Mitch on some of these throws. And it starts to make you wonder it. How has Matt Nagy actually developed this kid? You mm. know, well, you know, you talk about guys who were drafted below Mitch Trubisky, you know, in other drafts, well, a kid named Lamar Jackson, uh, he, he got drafted way low, and yet here he is killing it with the Ravens right now, and, and he has really proven himself, has he not? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing about Lamar Jackson is, um, and, and, you know, it goes a little bit more to, uh, like I was just bringing up the head coach for uh, the Bears, John Harbaugh has done an outstanding like John Harbaugh and Greg Roman out in Baltimore have done an outstanding job building this offense to Lamar Jackson's strengths. And I think, you know, I think that was like the big thing when he was coming out of the draft was, is somebody going to be able to build an offense around this guy and make him, you know, that really highlights the great things that he does and, you know, exhibit A, exhibit B and exhibit everything through week 11, man. Look at Lamar Jackson. He is he's a world-class talent and he's being used correctly and when you do when you have two of those things it's a beautiful thing and you know the ravens have been thirsting for a real quarter for a great quarterback flacco just kind of ran his course there but but jackson just brings a different element to this team that they haven't had in a while yeah, and it's it's almost like a grittiness too because you know it, I I remember watching the draft process and seeing you know anytime they showed Lamar Jackson like the guy has a chip and he's had a chip since he was over at Louisville as a freshman like and man that's that's just so big you know he plays with a chip on his shoulder because you know he remembers those guys that said he would be a wide receiver he remembers those guys that said he doesn't have accuracy downfield you know and you know while while i think you know his accuracy downfield there's still a lot of room to, for growth for lamar i think that he has more than proven his leap from year 1 to year 2 that this guy is only going to continue to get better what were your other takeaways from week 11 for me it was that the eagles actually played the pets pretty well yesterday i mean they lost but still a pretty good game oh nice. yeah yeah it was um it, it 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 seemed like a longer game because i was waiting for my sunday night game but you know that being said you know that that's just uh the reality of it um 
you know, Tom Brady looked rough early on. Like he did not look, and he really never really turned it around. I mean, Julian Edelman threw the touchdown pass for the Patriots last night. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it really highlighted, I think, for the Eagles that Carson Wentz right now is kind of doing everything he can to carry that team, and there's just not a lot of help around him right now. You know, he does have a good offensive line, but, you know, Nelson Aguilar with that drop at the end, like, holy crap. Like, he had every opportunity to catch that football. Like, that guy is looking like, you know, Fred X 2.0. Well, and, and I had not gotten a chance to see the rest of it because I was working a Seton Hall basketball game last night. They ran all over uh, the St. Louis Billikens, which is kind of an interesting name for a team. But, uh, no, it, you know, and then I actually got a Bills shirt because I, I'm tired of wearing two, quote-unquote, New York teams that aren't doing anything, and the Bills are doing something. And it's just, it's nice to see that they're finally riding the ship with Josh Allen up there. Yeah, and, you know, that's, they've given, they've given Josh Allen complete and utter confidence that he's the guy. And, um, you know, the Bills, the Bills with the, the defense that they have, um, you know, maybe, maybe the record looks a bit, you know, better than it should be because of, you know, the AFC East, but you know, that being said, you know, seven and three is nothing to sneeze at. And I think the bills have really flown under the radar for some, for being one of the better teams in the AFC. Um, you know, John Brown, who was like, I think like a second string, second or third string receiver with the Arizona Cardinals a few years ago has like completely popped on the scene and turned into a day, like a darn good number one receiver for the Buffalo Bills who, you know, let's not forget like two years ago was had Kelvin Benjamin starting at receiver. Um, so this Bills turnaround, like I, I love seeing it. You know, I, I think uh, I think the Buffalo Bills are one of the one of those franchises in the NFL that when they're winning, you know, it seems like everything's right in the NFL. Well, it's, it does seem like that. Hey, Duke, thank you so much for joining us today. There's so much we could cover, but I mean, just talking football and a little baseball today was, was great. Where can we hear your podcast? Uh, wh- wh- where's it featured? Okay, so um, you can actually follow me on Twitter, um, that pod guy Duke. Um, that's where you're going to be able to get a lot of the uh, updates for me. Um, I'm on Facebook, too. Just type in what we won this week. You'll be able to find me. Um, I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google Google Music. I'm on um, uh, CastBox. What's that? Are you on Apple Podcasts as well? I'm not on Apple Podcasts yet, but I'm working on it. Um, I I've I don't know why. I've had some issues with Apple Podcasts for whatever reason, trying to get things worked out. But I am doing my best to get it over there because I got a lot of iPhone users. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Duke Coughlin, and uh, keep keep you know reaching out to the members of the tribe at the Mighty Network, and we'll catch up there as well. Yeah, for sure, Alex. Uh, and uh, I'd love to have you on the pod one of these days, man. Let's do it. I'm I'm Alex Garrett, and uh, thanks for listening to this Monday edition of Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett.